Roxo Media House. A signal 51 is police code for an investigation. A law enforcement proceeding that is a systemic and thorough attempt to learn the facts about a possible crime that is complex and whose facts and circumstances are generally hidden, at least initially, behind obstacles that can be coincidental and or man-made. Investigations methods are formal. I'm John Henry, a journalist. My partner is Jake White, a retired Fort Worth police sergeant. Together, we examine the difficult cases of law enforcement, both in Fort Worth and around the region. This is Signal 51. The show is designed specifically for a more mature audience. Some of the content is graphic and is not intended for younger audiences. This week on the Signal 51 Chronicles, a shootout on the town square. Oh, I got to interrupt real quick. Oh. Okay. We had a last minute game change. Uh huh. Substitution, if you will. We had one scripted out, ready to go, ready to tell. Yeah. It'll be a good one, too. It will be a good one. Today, I was driving to work. And on the radio, the sports talk variety, was a uh, story an author who was discussing the upcoming 30th anniversary of the Waco siege, the Branch Davidians. Yeah. And it got me to thinking. So instead of doing any real productive work today, (laughs) I devoted it to, I devoted devoted it to our listeners, to the listeners. I had to, we had to, I had to scramble and there's a personal element to the story. But I saw it to scramble and get some facts. So just throwing that out there. Do you remember, you might not remember on Saturday, we heard a good story about the Branch Davidians. You don't remember this, do you? Why are you highlighting this um, and putting me on the spot? No, I don't. Gosh. We have a good uh, drinking buddy of ours who goes by the name of Jeff at Oscars. And... He played foosball with David Koresh like like two years before yep, all no, that went I down. I remember now. Yep. And David Koresh was a, a sound guy for for bands. Some rock and roll bands. And his, he actually gave him his card, uh, which, of course, said his real name is Vernon Howell. Mm-hmm. I guess this was before he became prophet and cleric, uh, doomsday prophet and cleric. And Jeff was at this bar somewhere outside of Waco and Jeff claiming to be, I don't disbelieve him, a a dynamo as a foosball player. (laughs) (laughs) And... Those uh, words have never been uttered in the history of mankind. <laughs> a dynamo foosball player, but anyway. So then Vernon Howell said, Hey, do you want to play some foosball? And Jeff said, Yeah, sure, I'll play foosball with you. And the person we would later know as David Koresh said, Okay, I'll be back. I got to go. Do a sound check or set up something or whatever. He was a big band sound technician. Mm-hmm. And he comes back and Jeff says that he mowed him over. You know, his foosball beat him handily. I don't know if he really remembers that or not. But So then fast forward two years and the shootout occurs at the Branch Davidian Compound. Near Waco, I guess, or I don't think it was yeah. actually in Waco, but near Waco. And Jeff says he's waking up about, I'm assuming from a nap, about noon. His roommate or somebody says, turn on the TV, you got to see this. And he sees this picture. And he does a double take. He's like, what the? And it was the same guy he played. That he destroyed in foosball. And he still, I think he still has his card. We need to have him on. Oh, that's... We need to have him on uh, to talk about that. 
incident. He'd tell the story better than I can. I think what and intrigues me. he's a funny me, guy. It, what intrigues me most is, I mean, foos, I didn't know people, I guess some take it seriously, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, well, apparently he did it one time because uh, he he, uh, he he was quite proud of how well he could play that game. But he was going to school at Texas State. What do they, what do they call that? T-S-C-O? Texas State uh, Mechanical Stuff Trade School. T-S-C-O, I think is what it's called. Yeah, I, I would know it any other day. I'm I'm playing on I'm playing on the IA. I'm playing injured hurt today. You know, I can tell under the weather, and so my memory is foggy. But uh, whatever that place is called, and the feds took that took that school over as their base of operations for this Branch Davidian standoff. Mm-hmm. And Jeff says he was going to school that day that like the Monday I guess afterwards and I uh, said so this guy comes out with this I don't know this hefty piece of armor he's carrying and says what are you doing here and he points to his his parking sticker says well I go to school here he says you don't today until further notice you don't you don't go to school here <laughs> he says all right I'm out of here wow well anyway we're going to talk about something that happened in June of 2013. June 28th, as a matter of fact, about 10 a.m. We are in Hood County. And the Hood County Sheriff's Office was called to home on Edge Court, Edgecliff Court in the Oak Trail Shores community. It's actually north of Granbury, I think. is what Slightly north, yes. And deputies figured that they were headed for a tricky situation when they were sent to a disturbance call. And a, a disturbance calls home is never, that's always fraught with peril, right? You'll be the first to say that's... I mean, it could be anything from, right, you know, somebody in there yelling to... And it's always emotional because yeah. it's personal. Typically so, yeah. And when it deals with a husband and wife or spouses while in the details that we're going to get into that they knew about uh, yeah this one definitely well the deputies get to this home on Edgecliff Court and not long after they're there sure enough the worst possible scenario develops with gunshots ringing out and a man in a white Chevrolet minivan flees the scene. Now, on that same day, in neighboring Johnson County, in a neighboring in a courtroom in neighboring Johnson County, court officials were awaiting the arrival of a man for a hearing. Yep. So, one of the responding officers to the call in Hood County uh, was Sergeant Lance McLean. Sergeant McLean and other responding deputies were told when they were called to the home on Edgecliff Court that Ricky Don McComas from Joshua, also in Johnson County, was at the home. The home was that of a teenage girl who accused him of aggravated sexual assault almost one year prior. The assault allegedly occurred behind a Brookshire's grocery store that was under construction in Joshua. McComas was arrested in August and later released on bail. His trial was scheduled to begin in August, news reports stated. However, rather than to go to court, McComas went to the teen's home to confront her. He was already known to Hood County Sheriff's deputies because of a uh, criminal trespass warning that had been issued to him. Criminal trespass warning essentially uh, was documentation that he should not be there, not be anywhere near the victim's home. But the other fact... Is that, hold on, say, is that something that police just give, or does that have to go through a court to criminal trespass warning? Is that something that just police say you can't come back here? Yeah, in Texas, it's... 
could be different other parts of the the U.S., but in Texas, yes, it, it truly is a written warning. But from a police officer, there's not a court order or anything like that. It's just a and the property owner has to say, "You're no longer allowed to come back on my property," and and then so you write the. It looks kind of like a ticket, right? You give one to the property owner, one to the person you issued it to. You do a report, so that way, if the person does return, they've already been warned, right? Then they can be arrested. The, yeah, subsequently stuff. get arrested. All right, we'll carry on with this. So, if you guys, like we talked about before, when the deputies were called to the scene, they knew there was going to be trouble. Obviously, they knew of McComas. They knew of the criminal trespass warning. The other fact that perhaps indicated there would be trouble was Ricky Don McComas, who was 49 at the time, was a licensed gun dealer. Uh huh. An FFL, Federal Firearms License. Now, I had never heard that term before, an FFL. Yep. Well, <clears throat> and of course, as soon after the deputies arrived at this home and right after the gunfire erupted, one man lay dead from it. And that man was 38-year-old Hood County Sheriff's Department Sergeant Lance McLean. Sergeant McLean died from the gunshot wound to the head. Another deputy with with Sergeant McLean was able to make a distress call, would you call it, that shots have been fired. Yeah. And, of course, you've either probably seen this or certainly seen it on TV. There's a rush to the scene by every, seems like every nearby cop that's around. And they responded and and were on the the immediate lookout for McComas, who like as you said, they knew he he was a person of interest immediately. Mm-hmm. McLean was a five year veteran on the Hood, Sher- Hood County Sheriff's Office. He was highly respected at work, at the work that he that he performed. And Sheriff Roger Deed said he had quote unquote big plans for McLean. McLean was a husband and father to two special needs children. On the loose driving a white Chevrolet minivan was McComas. A short time later, police already on alert and watching for the white van spotted it driving into the Granbury Town Square. We all know that Granbury Town Square. It's that's hustling for a hustling and bustling for the It's iconic. I mean it's yeah. it's like this the tit this stereotype you think of a Texas town square and you think of mm-hmm. this place. It's got a uh, that really neat opera house, and it has that restaurant on the square. It's been twenty different things over the course of thirty years. And this is a Friday in the summer too. Friday, yes. day in the summer, but nonetheless, probably a little bit more busy than usual. Absolutely, people out probably day drinking and whatever else. Antiquing and stuff. Antiquing and stuff. Actually, I, we, uh, my brother and I and a, and a, and a friend went to the, the, op, the, the opera house uh, a year ago, maybe two years ago, to go see a one-man play, Sam Houston. It's quite interesting. Throw out a boring. <laughs> but it could have been good. You're a history buff. I, it, well, yeah, of course. Uh I'm not a I'm not a, a, a stage critic, if you will. So I'll leave my opinions about it to myself. Yeah. But I thought uh, the fellow gave it uh, a strong effort. He gave it his all. Gave it his all. I think uh, we. But again, all all of this to kind of highlight that town square. Yes. It's not a. Um, it's not a ghost town by no, any no, stretch it's, it's of the hopping. imagination. It's hopping. It's hopping. Our friend Robbie Terman also has a mama's pizza down there. Indeed he does. It's just off the square. Just off of it, yes. If you're down there, you should try it out. Well, anyway, the first officer to spy the vehicle was Granbury Police Officer Chad Davis. With one or more police cars behind the van, a Hood County Sheriff's vehicle was heading it off. It was then that McComas pulled into a city hall parking lot got out and as Granbury Police Chief Mitch Galvan said quote unquote made his stand McComas exited the, 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 the van armed with a rifle one witness was at a nearby business 
when McComas pulled up and got out carrying, quote, an assault rifle. He stares right at us, the witness said. And about that time, police pulled up behind him, and he turned toward them and started walking toward him. We started backing up, the witness continued. And then he, then he said, the shooting started, and we turned and ran. Hightailed it. It's probably a better word, which is what any reasonable person would do. I don't know what he was running from, the witness said, but what he did, but he, he definitely wanted to get at the cops. He, was, he had that very determined look on his face, the witness said. Sheriff Deeds, who had been in pursuit, was among those who returned fire at McComas. Said Deeds, quote, when he got out, he had no intention of surrendering to us. He got out with guns ablazing, with a rifle, and I knew it had to end right there. There were too many people around. Deeds, the sheriff, said he believes that it was his shots that took McComas down. I believe it did, Deeds said. I, I had the best shot of any of the officers that were there. That doesn't get much more Texas than that. It doesn't. This very much sounds like something that, that you would see on Walker, Texas Ranger. The county lawman. The county lawman takes him down, yeah. Mm-hmm. You see him right, yeah, like all it's missing is him riding in on a horse. And we make this sound like a small town. I mean, it's not, it's more or less somewhat of a suburb of Fort Worth. It is now. It is now and was then. It was certainly. And, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy, I mean, I don't know how many deputies they have, a lot. I mean, he's not out there in the fray every day. No, no yeah, I would think this is something, this is a special occurrence. Nope. Yeah, the sheriff him. is out yeah. in hot pursuit of now that I, I do think that is a sheriff smaller community yeah. kind of deal you're not going to see that in the big city you wouldn't see that here no no matter how badly the sheriff wants to get out there and, you know, that's a different mentality bust some heads I mean, you're talking about an elected official right? yeah Maybe they have more stake in the game if they're elected. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I mean, you know, they're they're actually running for office. Yes. It's important for them to be seen. <clears throat> but I think it also speaks to his character because he would have had the ultimate out if he wanted. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody would expect the sheriff to be out there. No. And he, he does. Still the sheriff to this day, in fact. Is he really? Yep. That's Yeah, this is stuff you see Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane, the Dukes of Hazard, taking care of, taking part of. Yeah. Never tell you my, my story being pulled over by uh, Johnson County Constable. No. Another elected official. Wait, did this have to do with a defective light? No. Or was that another time? That was another time. Possibly. Just this had to do with speeding. Oh, no. I was heading, I think, uh, eastbound. He was heading westbound. And before I even get to him, he's already stopped. The lights are on. He's waiting for me to pass him so he can turn around. And get now, he pulls me over. And... He asked the standard, can I get your license and your insurance? As a good citizen, I obliged. He takes my stuff. I don't even think he goes back to the car to run any of it. He says, uh, he sees that I live in his district, apparently. I live in his precinct. So, Writing me a ticket is completely off limits. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing he wants to do is write a constituent a ticket. He wants every, within reason, of course, he wants every encounter with him to be a positive. Yes. So that when you go to that voting, when you go to the, the, the poll to vote, you pull that lever for, I can't remember this guy's name, same He's no longer possible. So not only does he not write me a ticket 
or or anything more serious because I had been at my neighbor's Bible. Okay. He invites me out to ride out with him. Did you do it? I did. Did you write about it? No, I didn't. <laughs> Nothing happened? No, well, well that's, I, that was probably about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Wait, the same night? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The same night. Yeah. He goes, pull your pull your car over in that church over there and and uh, just come on in. So I went out and rode out with him until like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Buzzkill. <laughs> True story. Just kidding. We went by the volunteer fire. Uh, actually, I think they might not have been volunteered by then, but went by the fire department. Took me. I think it was a new building. Took me on a tour of it. Uh, and then, then, then of course, you know, we we did some of the other law enforcement stuff, like harassing other drivers, like you know, pulling over drivers on I thirty five, gun it, you know, doing the radar gun and all that stuff. It sounds more like you were kidnapped. I don't know. Maybe I don't. It's he, very strange. I mean, he let me go, you know, after. But what if you said no? I don't know. You would have got a ticket. Maybe. I don't think so. No, I think he just said, just be safe and carry on. Carry on, wayward son. Carry on, my wayward son. Written by a band from my hometown. Really? Missouri Hick, you are, Jake. Missouri Hick, you are. Yeah, that's. Nah, I don't know. Not really. Not really. Well, there was another semi witness to this. Back, back to Granbury. Uh, the, the president of the First National Bank of Granbury was also nearby. And he knew something was up because he heard the wave of sirens approaching. And he quickly realized that this was something out of the ordinary. These, uh, these officers were not just chasing down a speedster or heading to an accident. Then he knew something was really up when he heard the rapid exchange of gunfire. Said the president, his name was John Lutton, I believe is how you say his name. Quote, it's not something you're used to hearing sitting inside a 150-year-old rock building. Well, if he'd come out at that time, he'd have seen dozens of shell casings found around McComas's van. One woman said she she thought the shooting was one of was an old west one of those old west reenactments. Or some sort of Confederacy reenactment. General Hood being yeah. a Confederate general. Oh, there we go. I'm not exactly sure how that's passed muster in, this, in, the, in today's world. That's interesting how you got that history. They would throw... Well, of course, if somebody comes down there, Granbury's not known as a liberal bastion by the stretch. No. So if, if the do-gooders come down there and say, we want to change this... We demand that this town, this county be changed. The name of the county be changed. There would be hell to pay. Yep. Well, anyway, she she thought it was just an old West reenactment. This gunfire going on. Far from it. This was Obviously. the real deal on the town square. I don't know how many rounds were fired. His van was riddled with bullet holes. McComas's. Um, he was presumably riddled with bullet holes. I had the opportunity to talk to someone who was there. Yeah, you have you have a network of law. Yeah. You have a law enforcement network. Here's how McComas, a fraternity, a fraternity. This is what was described. He described McComas as this. He was dirty. Smelled. Not smelled from, you know, that death smell. He was unkept. He was unclean. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So with McComas, you have Sergeant McClain. He's transported to John Peter Smith Hospital. Um, he died the next day, about twenty-four, little, little more than twenty-four hours after the shooting. May God rest his soul. Officer Davis was shot in the arm just below the shoulder, near the shoulder. The bullet exited out of his back. And he was shot at that shootout. He was at the shootout. So there's yeah. two scenes. Yeah. So one of the things that they're going to do 
standard operating procedure, if you will, and assuming probable cause exists, a search warrant was served at McComas's house. Inside, investigators found nearly three dozen firearms, including several AR-style rifles, and about 10,000 rounds of ammunition that were located and seized. So let me ask you right there on that search warrant. Let's just assume he lived by himself. I don't know if he did or not, McComas. I don't know for sure if the same person, not a direct quote, but the message was uh, yeah. he was a... The law enforcement source that we have. Just a source. Just a source. We'll call it just a source. He was <laughs> one of those Second Amendment guys which I, I, I McComas, McComas, McComas was, was. Yeah. and I'm not going to get off into the political implications yeah. of that. I don't you know, whatever. Everybody has their own pow pow. Yeah. yeah. And he was one of those second amendment guys who looked like he lived in his parents' basement watching grotesque things, which by the way, would line up with, what he was accused of doing one year prior. Uh, so when you say grotesque things, well, uh, probably pornography type stuff. Is that what yeah, we're talking about? Yeah. So, but for, so for the sake of argument, if, if law enforcement shows up there and serves that warrant, and let's just say he lived by himself, are they, they're, they're by permitted by that warrant to, to, to enter and he, and he entered the house any way possible? Or how does that work? As a whole, yes. I mean, there's some some caveats as far as how you make it, or kind of how you make entry, I guess. The whole, the controversial no-knock search warrant thing, things yeah. like that. But Okay, yeah. I mean, this one, he's already deceased, and they probably have a good idea if he lives if he lives alone or if he truly did. I mean, that, that, that source said it kind of in jest, but um, they're going to know or have a really good idea who he lives with. All right. Well, that's an unnecessary detour. Yeah, and he's no. Carry on. I mean, he's no stranger to the law. They find a bunch of stuff there. They find a bunch of guns. Uh huh. Um, ultimately, though, I think he had a suicide pack, right? Yeah. Which which is what we hear about this police suicide all the time, or police by suicide, right? Death but, by cop. Suicide by cop. Suicide, suicide by, by cop. cop. Suicide by cop. cop. Yeah. So the chief, uh, Chief Galvan, said, "Quote: If he had decided to stop on the square with all those shopping and businesses." It would not have been good. So a couple things. Oh, Sheriff Deeds also said uh, later, quote, he was loaded for bear with guns and everything. I think when he left home that morning in Joshua, he intended on hurting and killing a lot of people. And Lance prevented that. Lance being Sergeant McClain. God so, bless you, Sergeant McClain. I think there's a few things to highlight. Obviously, Going to that call, it, it's titled a disturbance. It's way more than a disturbance. We're in a rural, you know, we're, we're describing it as being a suburb, but it's still more, it has more of a rural feel. Resources are not abundant. It's a different way of law enforcement in the sense that you have to do the best with what you have, and that's typically limited resources. McLean goes there. Now, he's also... By all accounts, he was a pretty big guy. Um, some of his co-workers affectionately referred to him as Big Sexy. Big Sexy. Yeah, he's probably one of those guys working out, stays in good shape. But people call me. Call me Big Sexy. No one's ever called you that. <laughs> he was uh, on their SWAT team. You know, he was probably one of those guys who was well-prepared. And this goes to show kind of the difference in, well, not the difference. This goes to show, or this is what bravery looks like, right? I mean, he, he pulled up to that house knowing there's a guy in here that's a gun dealer that's been accused of doing the most horrific thing with a teenager. He shows back up to her house when he should be in court and I've got to be the one that confronts him and he does. And ultimately, had it not been for that encounter that ultimately cost, that ultimately cost Sergeant McClain his life, who knows what would have happened, right? I mean, the, the, the list of possibilities 
could go on. Um, so I think that that's important to highlight. You know, when we have different, you know, pieces of information mixed in the story, but at the core, it's serious, right? And it's it's the most tragic thing that can that can happen and the worst outcome possible that can happen. But at the end of the day, you've got a cop who didn't back down, who performed his duties bravely, and it cost him his life, uh, but perhaps saved countless more. Certainly. And the other thing, it's not comfortable. Like some of those high stress scenarios, they're not comfortable. So you have the Granberry officers, you've got the sheriff himself confronting this guy in the busy town square. They knew what had to be done. You know, I mean, this guy jumps out with a, a, an, uh, an AR-15, starts firing. I mean, they can take, they have no other choice at this point to, aside from what they did. But interestingly enough, John, uh-huh. several years prior, yes. I too had a run-in with Ricky Donald I'm, I'm I'm eager to hear this. So circa 2011. So two years before. Two years before. Roughly this happened. Yeah. So Ricky McComas was at the gun show here in Fort Worth. You have one of these days, we're just going to do a show on your gun store, your guns, your gun show stories. There's a, you have some incredible guns, they are gun show wild. stories. Now, in the other, th- before I get into that, and people want to get rid of these things. Well, we'll there's get, so there's so much there's so much good entertainment that comes out of these gun shows. Yeah. At least at least entertain to me. Yeah, I don't want to get in. I don't know where this one stands in any kind of proceeding, so I don't want to talk about it, but. You remember the picture I showed you and I'm showing you now here where the, we'll get to that one. And maybe I haven't showed you the picture and I will. I don't think so. So this guy, so Ricky. Yeah, you run into Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. Two years prior. Dale, Don McComas. Ricky, Don McComas. McComas. You run into him at the gun show. At the gun show. He's a federal. He's a gun dealer. Gun dealer. We were there. Did he smell? They're busy. All right. Busy. So he's got a booth there? Yeah, he's got his own table set up, the whole, everything. And we were there, my partner and I, and we were undercover back then. And we were investigating a complaint of a gun trafficker. And this reported gun trafficker was apparently um, smuggling guns south of the border. Huh? And we knew where he was getting them, getting them from, or we had information. And so we're watching the guy and, sure. and you're, you're, you're undercover. So you're just kind of milling around, just like kind you, of milling around, like you belong, like you're there to yeah. buy and maybe buy a gun perhaps. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I'm not even a gun guy really, you know, right. I, mean, I have to fake it to make it in those environments. Yeah. It'd be like me. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, you're, you're so you got your eye on somebody. We see a, something suspicious at this table. We're watching. From a patron. So so suspicious that we think, well, maybe there is something to this complaint. Uh-huh. So we start following that guy around. And we watch him purchase an ex- uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 guns. Now, he would walk up to a table, drop a stack of money off, walk up to another table, drop a stack of money off. He did this four or five times. That's that's not typical. That's not typical. Okay. Bit large sums of I mean, large wads of money. I mean, people are usually buying guns with a debit card, a credit card. Well, this is, I mean, this is 12 years ago. I mean, cash was not uncommon. But, right. Cash, certainly. Yeah. But when somebody's dropping off thousands of dollars at right. multiple tables, gotcha. it starts to become a little bit suspicious. And that that is based on the information that we had previously received. Gotcha. And so this guy's dropping off money, table after table, four or five of them. He goes outside, smokes a cigarette, calm his nerves, I suppose. I don't know. And he comes back inside. 
and he goes and he, he buys um and he's completely unaware that anybody is spying him oh yeah he's no idea i mean there's a lot of people in there. yeah right, right that's not necessarily because i was that good i was well you you had quite a disguise yeah, i don't know that. yeah i did so he comes back inside he he buys these bags jake had a forest gump when forrest gump finished his run he had a forest gump-esque I did. Long beard. Yeah, that's safe to say. Okay. Um, he, this guy comes back in and he buys these these um, bag, rifle bags. They're like $100 a piece. And he walks up and he just grabs five of them. Doesn't, doesn't look at them. Pays no attention to them. So the guy behind the table is like, you going to buy those? And he's like, yeah. He just pulls out 500 bucks, throws it on the table, wow. uh-huh. walks off, starts dropping these uh, rifle bags on And... So he drops them off, and each time, each table would fill them up with three, two, three, four, five guns. So he gets to the last table, and they're filling his bag up. And the table nearby, I can't remember if it was right or left across the walkway, whatever it was, this, uh, this guy walks up, and he picks up a pistol that's on the table. And he pays zero attention to it has it in his hand for one second and he's like hey I'll take this I mean it's a $500 gun I mean he does not inspect it doesn't even look at it very suspicious he leaves we take some investigative steps we determine hey you were in fact he was in fact trafficking guns which led to a very large gun seizure so in a town in a city way farther south from here big cities and so we are tied up the entire, really the entire week at this point on this case. And we come back and we start, you know, figuring out, okay, where, who are all these people he's buying the guns from? And one of them, the one where he quickly picks up that pistol, was none other than Ricky Don McComas. Now, he had purchased a gun from Ricky. Purchased Don a gun. McComas. Nothing, uh, McComas had done nothing wrong, at least in my right. observation. I mean, I, I, you know, we weren't really focused on that at the time. I had no idea who this uh, McComas guy was. I didn't think anything of it. Blended in, I suppose. Well, he was just at a booth. He had a booth and yep. whatever, selling, selling, selling his wares. Yep. So we had to talk to him, interview him, talk to him about the transaction. He didn't really even remember it because it was busy and you know these uh, you know, uh, thousands of people in there. So he had no real memory of it and then here we are fast forward two years later this steel trap up here was uh-huh. like, i know that guy so rusty was, and dangerous rusty. is what is what that trap is up there yeah that's exactly right and uh so, so what was, was he like nonchalant like nondescript i don't remember him big guy tall guy big guy i was kind of short and uh he was short and a little bit on the heavy set side if i recall correctly uh-huh. uh, no hint that he had he was capable of no no nothing 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 remotely close to to what transpired because most of these dudes who are vendors at these gun shows good dudes right yeah, i mean yeah very very much so and you got it you get you i'm sure you have to uh be completely legal to have a to have a, a booth there you have to be a licensed no firearm dealer. no you don't I, no that now that that could be a controversial topic no you don't so i can go down there well you got to register for the show of course yeah you register for it but they don't ask for any licensing nothing which i think we just broke a story yeah i mean there's there's some i could i could go down there and sell guns if i'm let's say you, in your younger years your grandfather passed away and had a closet yeah, full of guns right and you said well He's not here anymore. I'd rather have the cash. Yeah. You go down there, you pay for the table, you set people's guns on the table, and start selling. And guess what else is crazy? You have no idea. You're not required. I mean, you have no idea who you're selling to. If if that was, there are some who do it, I guess, responsibly, in the sense that they actually document the sale. Like, I need to see your ID, and they'll write your information yeah. down, and this is the gun that you bought. Perhaps they provide you a bill of sale. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's others who do not. No and, background check or anything like that? Oh, no. 
Oh, nothing like that. And there's no way of, of tracking what happens to these guns, how many of these guns are later used in criminal offenses. Uh-huh. If they're bought from a gun dealer, the gun dealer conducts the background check there at the gun show. And if all goes well with that, you're, you fill out your application. Your so some do. So some do a background. Yeah, I would say it's probably seven. I mean, just throwing out a number, seventy-five percent probably. Well, like this guy, you guys were trailing and arrested. He was buying all these guns, and but not from dealers. Well, he, he wasn't. Would, no, he would go to the ones who were quote unquote private collectors. Ah, and and and. and that again, I'm not going to get off into the political political ramifications of it. That's not what this shows about or anything like that. I frankly could. Uh, I don't. That's just not my cup well, of tea or forte. Okay, hold on before we carry on. You've got to tell the gun show story. Uh, can't remember which one it was. You you, you went you. You and you and some colleagues had to pursue him out the door and into like the swine bar. I can't tell that one. Why? Well, let me. I can't. Let me ponder that for a second. I do have to bring this up though. Yeah. So here's what I found interesting. So McComas has an FFL, the Federal Firearms License, the thing that says, "Yes, I'm a gun dealer." He gets arrested. Oh yeah. A year prior. I don't know if his 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 license was suspended. Now, I'm not saying he was still can carrying on as a gun dealer. Maybe he closed up shop and and knew, hey, I can't do this. So I'm I have all my guns in my house and ten thousand rounds of ammunition in my house. Maybe maybe that's what he did. I don't know. I did some checking on it, and I don't know that there's a hard fast rule where that would be an automatic suspension. Like, for example, we were talking about DWI. You get a DWI. I think you lose your your license is suspended. If I recall correctly, I was never... Immediately, been, whether whether convicted or not. I think, and this maybe this has changed, I, if you refused to submit to a breathalyzer, huh. that's an automatic suspension. Uh-huh. You're not guilty at that point. A breathalyzer or a or a, a what do you call the walkthrough thing they do the, the the sobriety test. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I assume if you've, yeah, probably. I guess I don't know. I think that I never I had any, true. I never saw anybody refuse those. I don't. I like I said I didn't, that really wasn't my cup of tea. But um, so if you refuse the test, you're not guilty. I don't think the DWI is anybody's cup of tea on on the on the department. No, there's some of them that are. I heard it's a pain in the ass. Lots of paperwork. Oh, it takes hours to process. Oh, yeah. I mean, just that. I mean, most say they're intimidating to work, or and it's a heinous. You know, I mean, it's something that should be, I think, aggressively pursued. But yeah, they're they're not easy. I'm not saying they should be easy, but they're, you know, they're mo- not most cops' favorite thing to do. Anyway, go ahead. So, or if you submit to a breathalyzer and you, you're blood alcohol contents over that 0.08 mark you lose it you suspended suspended too yeah i think so I'm either or either or you're either or suspended unless of course you blow under 0.08 so dwi i'll be very serious i'm not diminishing yeah, how serious sure. it is but i mean you get your driver's license suspended for that but you don't get a license to sell guns automatically suspended because this stuff's coming, this gun stuff's coming under controversy. I mean, you have prohibiting factors at the federal level. If you're under indictment for a felony offense, you're not supposed to possess a firearm. If you're an admitted drug user, you're not supposed to possess a firearm. These cases are starting to get overturned. These prohibiting factors, which changes, it it is becoming the true right to bear arms. I suppose would be the. Is, is how it's being viewed. As the reason why they don't lose their license. Mm-hmm. I mean, other 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 civil liberties are suspended, aren't they? When you you know, 
I mean, for God's sake, you're not... I, well, I guess prisoners could vote. No, I don't, I don't think, no. No, no, you can't even... You have a felony, you can't Yeah, vote. no. I mean, you don't... Your First Amendment's always there, right? To some degree. I see. In some cases, perhaps your Fourth Amendment's somewhat diminished. Because I think there's some states where if you're on probation or parole, it's an automatic... You are subjected to a search whenever, so I think... I don't know. I mean, it's a controversial topic, clearly. Oh, yeah. I mean, here we are discussing this after the Michigan State incident. Um, you know, I, I don't know what this, what the solution is. Um, and I'm not saying that, I mean, truthfully, him being a gun dealer has little to no relevancy, in my opinion, on this case. Right? I mean, that, that's not what, right killed Sergeant McClain. That's no, not what caused not. Officer Davis to, to get shot. But, I mean, it does bring up, you know, things aren't exactly level, I guess. I mean, I suppose that one difference might be is that you can't deny a person to make a living when he hasn't been convicted of. What if you're a truck driver? What if you work for... You have DWI or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You deliver packages. Although, I know I know people have gotten their licenses, or have heard of people who've gotten their licenses suspended. And they apply and are allowed to drive on like a... Yeah, I to think... To work. There, yeah, I think there are some modifications there. Yeah, so there might, that, that might fit into that. But I don't know. I mean, I, I guess ultimately, you know, these are talking points that are loosely related to to this. But at the end of the day, I mean, to summarize it, you've got a, a cop who gets called to a house, a disturbance, knew that bad things were likely to happen, didn't back down, went, went where he was supposed to go, uh-huh. did what he was supposed to do. Sadly, it cost him his life. And you can't discount the the bravery that that these men and women do on a daily basis across yeah. the US. Yes. You know, this one just hits close to home, obviously. Um it's a tough of, job. And like you said, a lot of times you're walking into something, you don't have the foggiest idea what's going on. It could be one of a hundred different things. Yeah, no clue. No idea. Mm-mm. No. So, well, I wanted to say this: uh, our our hero protagonist, Sergeant McLean, uh, was actually from Heiko. and uh, the good people of Hood County. Just to see, two years ago, I guess, uh, named. Uh, actually, actually, it was it was in 2015. The Texas Department of Transportation approved naming Loop 567 in Granbury between uh, the Loop's intersection with 377, which we all know about. Uh, and Business 377 as the Deputy Sergeant Lance McLean Memorial Highway. And they also have, uh, I've read, um, a Memorial Golf Tournament in his name that pays for, uh, it was, I guess, founded by his wife, um, that as of a couple of years ago had given away about $150,000 in scholarships and charitable donations in his name. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it, it brings the human element to it, right? I mean, sure, and his, yeah, and he his, wasn't just a a deputy. He wasn't just a sergeant. I mean, he was a husband, a father to two special needs kids. Yeah, you know, I mean, can you imagine? Not not that it's easy ever, but imagine the. I mean, that's a huge, huge loss, right? I mean, certainly, certainly. And they said uh, McLean was uh, in this story that I was that 
and was reading it. Described him as one with quite a sense of humor, made a lot of people laugh. Quick-witted and, and uh, always had a ready joke. And was a fan of photobombing. Yeah, I saw that at a, the at the uh, the Texas Ranger games. I did. I maybe yeah, so. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but anyway, um, it's nice to see that his memory uh, and and the courage and nobility that you talk about uh, lives on down there. He sounded like a pretty good dude. He was thirty-eight at the time. Yeah. So that means he, I think, would be 40s. Well, he'd be 40 48. It's yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Can't believe that. 2013 is 10 years ago. Yeah, no, that is hard to. So are we, get, are we getting a gun story, a gun show story out of you or no? Not yet. We might have to. Well, I think we might go with a package deal on those. All right. They're, they're, we could do a full hour on gun show stories. They are pretty funny. Because it is kind of a gathering place for, you know, there are certainly honorable people there, but there are certainly. Yeah, I think they've not. I mean, it's been years, but I, I think they've taken some steps to curb that element, uh, criminal element that may frequent, I suppose. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, yeah, because there was a there was definitely a lot that would go on there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, we're going to call this a day. I think we're going to call it a day. And obviously, remembering the service of uh, Sergeant Lance McLean and his dedication to Hood County and the community down there. And like you said, it's good to see that his memory still lives on. And, you know, I'm sure now that you know 10 years later there's certainly some of the same people with the same level of bravery that are serving that fine absolutely 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 and the sheriff he lives on he's still going down there on roger deeds still in office yeah man loves his job yeah for sure well or he can't afford to retire yet could be a combo could be a combo i don't know well, what's important is for uh, Signal 51 Chronicles yeah. on YouTube. We're picking up subscribers. like Picking up some subs. You guys need to join that club. Yeah. Do not be left out. And it's so easy. It's, it's easy. You just got to go to YouTube and click subscribe. That's that easy. It doesn't cost a dime. No. And you'll be first. You'll be some of the first to know when we drop a new one. Right. Uh, preferred podcast platform, any and all, Apple, Spotify, you name it, Signal 51 Chronicles. And we're out for this episode. See ya. Roxo Media House.